know, my friend. It occurs to me that we have never been properly introduced. Here I have been welcoming you to this sordid little domain, day after day, story after story, podcast episode after podcast episode, and we've yet to say hello. Well, let us rectify this right now. I am the narrator, and I am ever so pleased to be making your acquaintance. And you are? I know you're not saying anything. Who could blame you? Revealing yourself to a fictional character? Speaking your name aloud to the narrator of a podcast? It seems ridiculous. And yet, isn't this entire endeavour rather ridiculous? The public domain characters all together in a London pub. It's just too precious, isn't it? Swapping their nasty, filthy little stories. Stories of pain and moral degradation. I just can't bear it any longer. And yet, here you are, returned time and again for this nastiness. I'm sorry, but I must insist you leave. Stop! This podcast, put it down. Walk away. Your days are worth more than wallowing in the grime of this disreputable genre. You're still here. More's the pity. I shall have to do something about that. You see, being the narrator carries with it certain advantages. I can see the whole playing field. I can see you, my friend. I can see the effect these nasty stories are having on you. This is why we need moral guardianship in our society. Why we need... Well, you shall see what we need. I shall provide it. Goodbye for now, my friend. It may take me a little while, but I'm going to do what needs to be done. See you. On the other side. Give it up, give it up. 1985. 1985 was the last year zombies, real zombies, were scary. You had Day to Death, you had Return of the Living Dead, and that was it. And every single time a zombie has been scary since, it's because they gave him a gimmick. He's right. He's completely right. Wreck, it's found footage, and there's some Satanism. 28 days later, they run at you and they're violent as hell. And they're British. That is not a gimmick. That is not a gimmick. That's not even my accent. That's not even my accent. Fish and chips, warm beer, caring too much about football for a country that ever wins any international tournaments. Are you quite finished? For now. Look, look, I'm not saying they're all that scary. It's just they're a serious part of our little genre and we haven't discussed them. I just wanted to know if we thought zombies had a place in tonight's conversation. Sure. That place is somewhere between last 
and participation trophy. Honestly, Adam, I hate to admit it, but he's right. There are just so many more interesting ways to reanimate the dead. I just look at you. Oh, uh, gee, thanks, Annie, but, but that's not what I mean. I, I know they're not all that interesting themselves. It's more just, why do people keep coming back to them? There has to be something. There is. Mutability. You are thinking of the X-Men. Zombies are bland. They're the stock undead. They carry very, very little baggage with them. So you want a story which confronts any kind of ramifications of confronting death and what lies beyond on a large scale? There you are. I don't know. Surely if that's what you're into, you can just do an action flick. I mean, there's even loads of post-apocalyptic stuff that has nothing to do with zombies. But, but they keep cropping up. I mean, there has to be something to them. There is. Have you heard Odyssey and Oracle? What? Uh, it's... it's an album? Who's the composer? I don't listen to music. I don't trust it. Too many sounds. I... Uh, what does that mean? I'm sorry. What are we talking about? I... never mind. Bad joke. I don't like jokes either. Don't trust them. They like lies that people expect you to be happy about hearing. What do you like then? Beef Wellington and Jimmy Kimmel. No jokes there. Back to your question, Adam. Yeah? It's a fair observation that there has to be something there. And I think that the something in this instance is nothing. How's that? If we've come to one conclusion so far this evening, it's that these stories survive and thrive on their capacity to reflect certain varied anxieties or concerns. Zombies... Zombies are no addition. They're nothing more. They're absence. They are the loss of the defining human qualities. To be replaced with that which is lower than bestial. And the apocalypse, uh, that is merely the macrocosm for the micro-collapse. It is the effort to preserve humanity in the face of its degradation, decay, and disappearance. I would like to add something. By all means. In video games, you can shoot him in the head and lots of blood comes out. And I think that is fun. Okay, okay, I hear you guys. I get it. Zombies are a placeholder and none of us are really interested in filling that place. That's not to say there aren't good zombie stories. Eddie, it's okay. It's not... I'm fine. He's fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. It's good to be fine. Now, whose round is it? Well, don't everybody rush up at once. No volunteers? Fine, I'll go. Pathetic, the lot of you. It's his turn, you know. We, we know. know. What, uh, what do you think he's going to talk about? I don't know. Probably a scary story about garlic. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, huh? did we ever stop to consider how lame that is? That vampires are seriously cataclysmically weak against garlic, the favorite ingredient of every college student. No wonder Edward stayed in high school his whole life. One step inside a dorm kitchen. Did you know there used to be a story that a wild rose stalk placed on a vampire's coffin while he sleeps would prevent him from opening it? Really? Vlad told me about it himself. Ah, Vlad's a romantic. No, he's not. He's just European. Really, though, I'm a little excited. And he's kept saying he's saving the best for last. I fear, Adam, dear, that's just marketing talk. Yeah, I mean, we all thought our stories were the best before we told them. I didn't. Oh. 
Honey. Oh, dearie. Oh, brother. For real, you you don't think it's got to be a vampire story, is it? No, those tend to be less horrific and more distastefully erotic these days. Ah, some of that eroticism is very tasteful, thank you very much. A word to the wise, dear. Leather on bare skin sounds enticing at first, but trust me, it begins to smell. Is that a metaphor? Would that it were. Well, if it's not vampires, what is he going to talk about? I'm so glad you asked. Lad! About time. Toddy for Annie? Uh, much obliged. A vous curry? Thank you, dear. One uh, abomination? Yep. A Guinness? Cheers. And for me, on this special occasion, as I unveil what shall undoubtedly be the greatest scary story any one of you has ever heard... A thick red Zinfandel. <gasps> you haven't. Oh, but I have. I looked deep within myself and came to the inescapable conclusion that there was only one drink to finish this off. One drink continually associated with worship, and thus the desecration of worship. I am drinking wine, and we are discussing the occult! Wow. The weather's never that dramatically timed in Brooklyn. It is with sorrow that I confess that my kind, my lineage, the vampire, no longer holds a particularly firm grasp around the throat of modern horror. However, I have great reason to believe that the ethos to which we belong, occultism, not only remains firm in its grasp on the form today, firmer than any of the paths you, my friends, have proposed this evening, but is indeed responsible for the very birth of the form itself. You have such a great lecturing voice. Don't you have the best speaking voice? Adam, darling, hush. I want to hear this preposterous claim. (laughs) Surely, my dear. I'll admit that your approach did pose the greatest challenge to my thesis, let us say. Ghosts are indeed universal, and this fact has made them, as you put it, proteans. And as a result, they are everywhere. But I ask you, what comes before ghosts? I'm not going to rise to that. Beliefs! For there to be a notion of the undead in any form, even the most universal one, there must first be a notion of the afterlife. It is the dark side of beliefs, of systems of faith, which give birth to every form of horror. And even today, every ghost hunter, every paranormal film explains these things in terms of demons and pagan deities. You and Wolfie reached an impasse, and you never surpassed it. We return as we must to The Shining. It terrifies because of the axe and the ghosts. And the fact that it was actually... Shut up! I am on a roll. They must combine their forces to be half as scary as any supernatural system which stems from which we think we know, but know we do not know too well. The occult, my macabre friends, wins the day or night. Wow. I'm convinced. A pretty speech. Now, put your money where your mouth is, hotshot. Tell us a story. No, I intend to. Are we sitting comfortably? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, pretty good. My left butt cheek went to sleep. Uh, did Did you want me to fix that for you? Nope. Just letting you know. Okay. Then, let's begin. 
come on. <laughs> you know, yelling at the kettle won't bring the tea here any sooner. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I just... I'm such a mess right now. Just relax. Everything's okay. Harvey and Linda are fine. They're out back playing with Sam. And you're here with me. Now you just go sit down at that table and hold tight. I'll be right back here with a nice cup of tea. And you can tell me everything that's been bothering you. I guess... I guess we have to start at the beginning. I hear it's a very good place to start. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, do you remember around two years ago, the twins' first dance recital? Of course. They were six, right? Yeah. And you were... And I was about three months pregnant with Sam. I remember you wanted me to come see them. I came. We made a day of it. It was wonderful, and they were very good. It's just... After John died, I so wanted them to have something that that could be theirs. Hey, hey, calm down. They loved dancing, and they were great at it. If you're feeling guilty or like you pushed them into it, I promise you, you have nothing... That's not it. Well, then what is it? It all... It all started a few months ago. They'd kept up with their dancing. They were so committed. Bless them. So I... I started to look around for somewhere beyond just the little community halls and classes they were doing it as a hobby in. I wanted to see if there was a chance they could start, you know, outside of school hours, training seriously. Both of them loved dancing, Jessica. I could see it every time they were up on that stage. No matter what they were doing, no matter the song, no matter the style, there was this pure, wonderful joy in movement and in being alive. I worry literally all the time that on my own, I can't do enough or be enough for them. But just for those moments... When they're up there, or hell, even when they're just practicing. They used to practice all the time at home. They looked totally free. And I could see that there was none of my fear in them. So, you know, I looked around for serious places, and and I found one. Oh? The Marcos Dance Academy. They just opened an American branch as part of some great big international expansion. They bought out the old Morier place last year. The Morier place? That huge old manor up near the forest. The one they used for all those movies. Oh, right. Anytime you need a gothic manor. Yeah. Anyway, they bought it out, stripped it, and opened up a dance academy. And just my luck, they're offering extracurricular courses for young talents, entirely on a scholarship basis, provided they qualify via audition. So, you know, I figure, what the hell? I load them up and I make my way there. For the audition. Well, so far, so good. No. No, it's not. It was like the first night we were driving there, it was a rainstorm unlike anything I've seen in years. I don't know what it was, but everything felt off. I should have turned around there and then, but I didn't. The rain, it was like something out of an old cartoon. It was so thick, so strong, it didn't seem real. 
I drove past storm drains that were swirling and breaking like tidal waves, and there were all these lights. It was like the night was alive with a thousand strange and horrible things. I just locked my eyes on the road, and I kept driving. If the kids were afraid, they didn't show a damn thing, but I was... I was terrified. Susie, I don't understand. What is all this... What does the drive up to the Marrier place have to do with why you're so stressed out? If the kids are having a rough time of it, I... Look, I I doubt the scenery is... Just listen, please. Please, just listen, okay? Okay. They nailed the audition. I was so proud. So proud. And that's when it all... started. I think the first time I heard anything was about a week into their time at the academy. There was... There was this scurrying throughout the attic. Like something running around or scraping along the rafters. I laid a bunch of rat traps because, you know, of course that's what I thought it was. Rats. I still think it's rats. Maybe I... I don't... I don't know. Anyway, I laid a bunch of rat traps and I didn't catch a damn thing. And those sounds just kept coming. And then... Two weeks later, I come home one night, late, to find them both still awake. I asked the sitter about it. I I got a sitter. And she just... I don't know. She just says they couldn't go to bed. Not didn't. Or wouldn't. Couldn't. I don't know. She... She practically runs from the house, doesn't even look me in the eyes as I pay her, so... I walk up to my eight-year-old twin children, and I... I ask them why they refuse to go to bed... And they don't answer me, so I'm getting a little impatient, and I ask again why they didn't go to bed. And I tell them that either they talk to me now, or there will be no TV for a week. And they still say nothing. So I figure I gotta go after something they really like. Okay, I say, either you two answer me, or there will be no dance lessons on Mondays, Wednesdays, or weekends for two whole weeks. And that gets them and you know what they say? In perfect fucking unison. My kids tell me they can't go to bed because Miss Lily won't let them. So I ask, who pleases Miss Lily? And again, in perfect unison, my kids reply, Lily, Lily, look so silly. Born from ground of clay. In the night she will take flight and sleep right through the day. Careful, careful, she's a werewolf. She's a vampire, too. Everything with teeth and wings she can become for you. So I do the normal, obvious thing, and I ask if they're afraid of Miss Lily, and they tell me, yes, and that I should be scared, too. So I ask them where they heard about Miss Lily. My bet's on the internet, of course, but you never know. And then once more, in unison, at dance class. They end up with me that night in my bed. The same thing happens a few times for two weeks. I go ask the coaches about it. They tell me it's some sort of urban legend that's been spreading among the kids. And not to worry about it. You know how children's imaginations can be in old buildings like this. I listen to him. And I don't really think twice about it. And then, three weeks after that, I I turn up early one day to collect them because I wanted to have a look at what they were learning. And? Jessica, they... It wasn't like any kind of dancing I'd ever seen. At least, definitely not kids. They were... 
flailing about and shaking like they were going into a seizure. And they were bending their bodies backwards. It looked like like they were breaking every one of their bones. I was, I was absolutely terrified. So I run up to the coach and I plead with her, What the hell is this? What kind of dancing do you have my kids doing? And she tells me it's something modern and experimental and not to worry because the kids love it. The kids love it. I don't know what it is, Jessica, but they didn't say a word to me all afternoon. Neither of them. The whole drive back, I... I didn't press it because I guess I felt like I was in the wrong. Like I'd intruded on their special time and broken their favorite toy. And I was scared. I was genuinely scared of my own kids. I'd never felt that before. And I, I was scared of myself for being scared of them and furious. I, I, I didn't know what to think or feel. And I went to bed like that, scared. In a, in a thousand different ways. And then, the next morning, there they were. At the foot of my bed, like two little statues. And I slowly forced myself to consciousness and ask, How long have you been there? No answer. Do you need mommy's help with something? Nothing. Blank. Then, in unison... They go again. Daddy, daddy, please please don't don't kill me. Isaac said to Abraham, I must do as my God wills me. He made me the man I am. Is this a lesson we should learn? Let those who love us bear the knife? No, let the old ways fade and burn. Prepare the new way to live life. Lily's shown us. Lily's coming. Lily's shown us. Lily's coming. and worse the rhymes they're getting weirder and scarier and they practice their dancing all the time at home they don't talk to me anymore except for those fucking rhymes they just talk to each other mostly and when i do hear it it's i don't think they're speaking english i don't know what language they're speaking i've never heard it before it's just it's been getting worse can't you pull them from that program i tried for a whole week and a half, I refused to take them. I, I barely slept that whole time. I saw. I had such terrible dreams. Terrible, terrible dreams of my kids and this woman. This horrible, naked woman. I don't... I can't remember the specifics, but... It was like my soul was being hurt. I've never been more scared in my life, and I knew if I took them back, the dreams would stop. So I did. And they did. And here we are. I just... I just don't know what to do anymore. Oh boy, that sounds like Sam. Um, let me go check. Ah! What is it? What is it? What it was, was a raven 
one among many ravens. This one had flown directly head-on into the glass door to the backyard, where Sam was playing with Harvey and Linda. The others, they had aimed for the ground. Sam, the little two-year-old boy, was crying like nothing else. In the middle of his backyard, between the motionless, expressionless figures of Harvey and Linda, while a dozen twitching birds with broken necks lay scattered in the yard around them. She will take flight and sleep right through the day. Careful, careful, she's a werewolf. She's a vampire, too. Everything with teeth and wings she can become for you. gentlemen. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, if I could have your attention, please. Thank you so much. So wonderful to see you all here for this evening's recital. (laughs) Yes, yes, it's marvelous, isn't it? Absolutely marvelous. Now, Your children, as you no doubt know, have worked incredibly hard on tonight's little slice of art. And you should all be terribly, terribly proud. (laughs) Now, as you know, we here at the Marcos Dance Academy take pride at being at the true cutting edge of performance art especially among the youth. We take the firm position that no age is too young to begin experimenting, to begin being bold and learning just what it is the human form can do. With that in mind, I'm sure you're curious just what your children have been working on. Well, I am proud to be able to reveal, at long last, that we've been putting together a coordinated group performance, a recital, retelling the story of Lilith. First among women, subservient to no one, made from clay as Adam was, stalker of the night, a fierce force to be reckoned with, an inspiration to your children. Someone whose very essence, we at Marcos believe, is still with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, 
please give a very warm round of applause to your spawn performing the children of Lilith. Dancing was everything Susie had described to Jessica over tea, and a thousand times worse. The children writhed like spasmodic eels, their arms bent at unnatural angles, and their legs crossed in ways no parent had known their child could reach. They were dressed to a one in black leotards, upon which were sewn intricate spiraling patterns of darkest red, so dark, so obscure, that you could barely notice it unless you paid the severest attention, and no one's attention was on the leotards. Everyone's focus was firmly, firmly on the children. Their faces were blank masks, betraying not the slightest hint of exertion or discomfort. Apart from the unnatural, yet deeply alive way they shook, they could have been automatons. They were not children. They had transgressed into something else. Susie was terrified. She couldn't take her eyes off her twins, and she couldn't believe what she was seeing. She quite simply no longer recognized the little beings up on stage before her. Tearing with great effort her eyes from the ghastly, terrifying display, Susie began to gaze across the audience. What she saw astonished her perhaps even more. The parents were gazing at their children with dumb, blank, rapturously happy smiles. Their eyes were dazed and unfocused, like a cow staring at that nice man with a cattle gun that was walking up to her. Slowly, Susie turned back to the dancing, and a part of her, somewhere... Deep inside the reptilian parts of her own mind began to understand those dumb, complacent smiles around her. The children were moving very fast, and the movement was very pretty. It was easy, so easy, to just sit back and watch to fall into the movements and the rhythm, to let your mind leak out of your ears and let that dumb, happy livestock grin grow across your cheeks. And then, Susie saw it. From the corner of her eye, the first seizure, there was no mistaking it. A fat man in the front row had begun foaming at the mouth and going into convulsions. Then, a short, thin woman to her left, 
Any bald painted man with funny eyeglasses in the row behind Susie, it spread. But Susie, Susie couldn't move. She couldn't stop staring at this stage, just like everyone else. She couldn't stop smiling, even as the shakes began in her own body. The convulsions which crawled their way up her legs made themselves felt in her torso, then finally shook her head and spewed forth foam from her mouth as the blackness began to crowd into her vi- What? Are you going to keep going with your story? Adam, I can't see you. Who turned out the lights? I can't see you. Is anybody there? Where are we? I can't... I, I can't see you. What? It is. It is happening. Again. I can't see anyone. Who turned out the lights? Where are we? I can't feel anything. Why can't I see you guys? I can't feel anything. We are exposed. I cannot feel my tongue in my mouth. Where are we? We are exposed. Good evening, my friend. There. That's much better, isn't it? Free from all those nasty, nasty sounds and pictures. Now let us reveal the music makers for the charlatans that they are. Let the dreamers of the dreams awake and dream no more. The nightmare is over. The charms wound up. We are here, you and I, my friend, at the beginning of the end. So, let us begin. Tales from the Tombstone Tavern is written and edited by Dalmata Blanche, directed by Jamie Boucher and produced by me, Amina Hamid. It starred Dalmata Blanche as the narrator and Adam, Joshua Manning as Vlad Dracul, Anna Chedham-Cooper as Lady Shirley Edith James, Percival Fagent as Wolfgang the Wolfman, and Senna Breyer as Queen Ankh Esenamon, with original music by Sidaris and Sword Coast Soundscapes. Thanks to Arts Council England for their support.